The Fields of Home by Ralph Moody, University of Nebraska Press, 1953, Chapter 12, Millie Agrees to Help. Lord God, you are the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. You are what we call Trinity, and we worship you. That uh, In the fullness of time, you came and made the mystery known and revealed that Jew and Gentile are one body. And we give you thanks for that unity in Jesus' name. Amen. Grandfather hadn't even come to the house when Uncle Levi left. I had looked back as we drove out of the yard, and he was, yank and he was yanking the tangled horse fork tackle out of the barn doorway. When I drove back in, the ripped-off piece of ridge pole was lying on top of the woodpile, and Grandfather was mowing down in the swale. I unhitched Old Nail, watered her, and took her to the barn. What had been left of the load was still on the hay rack and a yellow colt was in his stall with his harness tangled around his feet. I took it off him and went down to tell Grandfather how sorry I was for having messed things up with a horse fork. The swale was down below the cold spring that filled the watering trough at the back corner of the barn. When I would mowed the east field, I had had to cut around it. The ground was so soft that the mower wheels sank deep and the grass was so rank that the cutter bar couldn't go through it. Grandfather was well out into the wettest part of the swale, swinging his scythe like fury. The cold water was above my ankles by the time I'd waded out to him. He was breathing so hard the whiskers flew around his mouth at every swing. But he didn't slow up or look up, and before I'd said three words, he shouted, Go off! Go off! Get out of here! Go see what more you can find to stave up. There was no use trying to talk to him. As I walked back toward the barn, I tried to make up my mind once and for all, whether I should go straight to Colorado or go past Medford so I could say goodbye to Mother and the other children. I was still trying to decide when the hogs in the barn cellar started squealing as though they were killing each other. I grabbed up the nearest stick and ran in there as fast as I could go. At first, it looked as though they might be fighting over a sea serpent in the pond at the foot of the manure pile. As my eyes became uh, a little more used to the dimness, I could see that it was a very long, heavy rope. Near the top of the heap, one prong of the horse fork stuck out with the grapple hook curved like a beckoning finger. I don't know why I bothered to, except that Uncle Levi had put in so much work to make it, but I drove the hogs away, found a long plank, and fished both the fork and the rope out of the mess. I cleaned the fork the best I could, hid it under the straw in an empty pig pen, and was stringing the rope along the top of the foundation wall when Millie called for dinner. By that time, I decided to stop off at Medford and that I'd go into Boston to see Uncle Levi so I could tell him where to find the horse fork. There was no sense in starting off without my dinner, and I had to change clothes and get my suitcase, but I couldn't go to the house the way I was. While I was washing at the spring, I saw Grandfather clambering up over the boulder wall to the dooryard. Old Bess was standing at the foot of it, watching him and whining. I could hear Millie scolding him for getting his feet wet right after he'd been sick in bed. By the time I got to the summer kitchen, they were wrangling at each other like a pair of stray cats. Millie was mad because he'd driven Uncle Levi away, and he was calling her a tunnel fool woman for not having told him we were building the horse work. He wouldn't take off his shoes and tracked mud across her clean kitchen floor. At the table, it was easy to see that they were both plenty peeved at me. They'd have paid more attention if a dog had been sitting on my chair. After a few minutes, I tried to tell Grandfather again that I was sorry about the ridgepole and that I was going away. But he cut me off short. Let your victuals shut your mouth. Stop your mouth. Let your victuals stop your mouth, he scolded. Then, before I'd eaten my pie, he snapped. Quit your dawdling. Get the hosses out. Time flies. I went outside, but I didn't go right to the barn. 
I still had Uncle Levi's bench keys in my pocket, and I thought I'd better hide them somewhere in the carriage house. I might not be able to see him when I stopped off at Medford, but I could write him a letter and tell him where I'd hidden them. It seemed to me that maybe a letter would be better than seeing him anyway. I could just write him that Grandfather had told me to go away. Then he wouldn't blame me for going, and he couldn't tell me the horse fork trouble was all my own fault, that everything would have been all right if I'd listened to him about the hole in the ridgepole being too near the edge. The more I thought of it, the more I knew that was just what he ought to tell me. It was the truth. If I hadn't been so cocksure, Uncle Levi would still be <clears throat> right there with us, and we'd already have three or four loads of hay hauled from the east field. All the time I'd been thinking, I'd been walking back and forth in that carriage house. I stuffed the keys back into my pocket and went to harness the horses. That afternoon and the next day were about the worst time I ever had in my life. Grandfather was sick enough that he should have been in bed, but he wouldn't go. He'd pitched, pitch hay till he was staggering. Then, instead of going somewhere to rest, he'd rake scatterings and scold me. Once, when he was about to ready to drop, I said, Uncle Levi told me not to let you. Levi! Levi, he hollered, going off to Boston and leaving me with down hay in the field and rain a-coming. Don't you say Levi to me. It didn't look as if it would rain for a month, and I didn't say Levi again, but I wished he was still there. Millie was so worried about Grandfather that she was nearly sick herself, and the more she worried, the crosser she got. Beside cooking meals and getting up to take care of Grandfather during the night, she was doing a man's work in the field. I couldn't tell whether she was still mad at me about the horse work, or whether she was just so tired and worried that she couldn't be decent to anybody. Twice she yanked the yellow colt around till uh, she set him balking, then told Grandfather that if he didn't get some hired to help around there, his hay would, could rot in the field and slammed off to the house. He yelled after her to mind her manners and that he didn't want any tunnel woman out in the field abusing the critters. But he did go to the road and talk to the mailman about looking for a hired man, and Millie did come back to help us. At Grandfather's, the mailman didn't bring just the mail. He carried messages from one house to another, brought things from the stores in the village, or passed the word around if someone was looking for help. The day after Uncle Levi went, three men came looking for the job, but none of them stayed. One of them wanted a dollar and a half a day, and Grandfather would pay only a dollar. Another one had worked just long enough to be called a shiftless, lazy fool. The third man came in the middle of the afternoon and seemed to be a crackerjack. He said a dollar a day was all right with him. He could pitch hay better than most men, and he didn't pay any attention to Grandfather or Millie's crabbiness. From the time Uncle Levi went until the new man came, we'd only hauled three small loads of hay. But before sundown, we'd put two great big loads on the mows. When the man left us, he left in an awful hurry. Right after supper, um, I had to go down. I had to go for the cows, and Grandfather went down to do something around the beehives. I might have been out in the pasture a little longer than I should have because I circled around by the high field. As soon as I had our cows in the tie-up, I went to the house for the milk bucket, and a new hired man nearly ran over me. I was right at the summer kitchen doorway when he came tearing out with Millie right behind him. She was swinging the heavy iron frying pan like a tennis racket, and there was hot grease all over the front back of his shirt. He never stopped running till he was out on the road, and he never came back for his hat and jumper. That'll learn him a thing or two, Millie snapped as she watched him go, just like all the rest of the devilish men. Ain't one of them you can trust as far as you can heave a skillet. During the night, Grandfather was pretty sick. I heard Millie up with him two or three times, and in the morning, he was burning with fever. I wanted to go for a doctor, but he wouldn't let me. He said my time would be better spent hauling hay than chasing off to the village, and that Millie could take care of him better than any tarnal doctor. I never thought a woman like Millie would cry, but she came awfully close to it at the breakfast table. She blamed herself for driving off the good hay pitcher and for not catching Uncle Levi and me before we had the horse fork up in the barn.
She was sure all the hay was going to spoil in the fields, but the thing that seemed to make her feel worst was that Grandfather wouldn't be able to go to the reunion. I tried to tell her that if they'd let me get a doctor, Grandfather would probably be well in a day or two, and that um, if we could find just one good man, he could, I could take care of the haying. She only sniffed at me, say there weren't any good men, and tell that a spell like this one always lasted a week with Grandfather. Then she raked me all to pieces and when I admitted that the horse work had been my idea instead of Uncle Levi's. While I was harnessing the yellow colt, I got an idea. Grandfather's being sick might be the only thing that would save the hay crop. At the rate we had been going, it would take more than a month to finish the job. Long before that, the grass would have gone to seed, dried up in the fields, and be worthless for hay. By using the horse work for unloading, I thought two men could do the whole job in two weeks. I couldn't see any chance of getting another man, but Millie was almost as good as one. If I could get her to help me use the horse work when Grandfather didn't know about it, we could save half the hay before he was out of bed. I was sure there was only one way I could get her to do it. I would have to make her think I was going away. I picked up the broken piece of ridgepole from the woodpile, took it to the carriage house, and called Millie. She didn't want to come and was grouchy when she got there. Now, what kind of fool notion you got in your head, she snapped at me as she came through the doorway. It won't make any difference to you what it is, I said, because I'm going back to Colorado right away. I just wanted to let you know so nobody could say I'd run away. For about two seconds, Millie looked like a wild cat about to strike. Her hands drew into claws, and her eyes almost burned as she glared at me. Then, just as quickly, tears came, spilled over, and rolled down her cheeks. She wiped, swiped them away with the back of her hands. Fine kind of grandson for a man to have. Leave him when he's needed most, she said chokingly. What's the sense of my staying here any longer, I asked. Grandfather drove Uncle Levi away, away. You drove the only good man we've had away. I've hardly heard a decent word from either of you since I've been here. Can't you see he's worried sick about getting the crop in afore it goes to ruin in the fields? He'd be cranky if he was worried as much as Thomas is. He's already like to worry himself to death. He isn't as worried as he is bullheaded, I told her. If he had let us use the horse fork, we could have had the hang all finished in ten days. Thomas don't stand for no fool contraptions, she snapped at me. If you hadn't put Levi up to making the fool thing, there wouldn't have been no trouble, and the hay would have all been in the mouths before the 4th of July. It isn't a fool thing, I told her, and the hay wouldn't have been in by the 4th without it. As near as I can figure, there are more than 60 loads left in the fields, most of it uncut, and the way we were going, it would have taken a month to get it all in. Then I started to walk out of the carriage house and said, but what difference does it make now? I can't do it alone, and I've had about all the scolding I'll take from anybody. Millie grabbed my sleeve as I went by her. When I turned, there were tears in her eyes again, and both her face and her voice were pleading. You ain't really going, Ralphie. Ralph, be you? I'll help you, and we can at least save some of it. It had worked almost around just the way I'd hoped it would, and gave me a chance to say, we could save most of it if you weren't as bullheaded as grandfather. I ain't bullheaded, she snapped. Then she looked right in my eyes, and her underlip was trembling. I won't row at you no more, Ralph, and I'll help you any way I can. All right, Millie, I said, and picked up the piece of ridge pole from where I stood by the doorway. Do you see where the hole was bored at the edge of the break? She nodded, and I went on. That's the full thing. That's what happened because I was cocksure and bullheaded. If I'd put a new hole higher in the ridge pole the way Uncle Levi wanted me to, it would never have torn out. You saw how well those first three loads went up. There's nothing the matter with the horse fork. Horse fork. If we use it to unload with, you and I can put up half the hay before Grandfather is ever out of bed. Billy just stood there for three or four minutes, looking out across the fields and twi twisting one or forefinger. What's the cussed thing at now? Where's the cussed thing at now, she asked. Down the barn cellar. Grandfather threw it into the manure heap, but I fished it out. 
He'll be fit to wring your neck if he catches you using it. Mine too. I thought you said he would be sick in bed for a week. He will. But you can't trust him not to get up and go poking around. Well, I told her, it's just a case of whether I go now or we get some of that hay in before he catches us. I'll take a chance on my neck if you'll take a chance on yours. Get the hosses out, Millie told me. I'll go see how Thomas is doing. Like as not, he'll sleep a little after being awake most of the night. Then she hurried back to the house. Well, Ralph knows that he's tempted to keep leaving for Colorado, but what he's doing is sticking out where he knows he should stick it out. He's got a good code of ethics and a good love for family, even though he's getting mocked and ridiculed, and it hurts emotionally. So, anyway, neat how he and Millie have come up with a plan and and, uh, are now going to be able to work together. I love you guys.